Hello, I'm Katherine Stanley, Chair of the Organizational and Leadership Psychology Department at William James College. We are educating organizational psychology professionals to assist leaders and their companies in meeting their goals while creating thriving and vibrant internal workplace cultures. Our graduates work in for-profits and not-for-profits in all industries, from large and boutique consulting firms to military and government. For those of you who are new to our podcast series, Leadership Hacks, it will air once a month to examine timely topics and current events through the lens of organizational and leadership psychology. By sharing the psychology that influences individuals, teams, and whole systems, we endeavor to help you shift your thinking and see the world in a new way. With this new perspective, you can discover innovative approaches to solving the complex problems all business professionals face. We hope the insights offered by our experts are helpful to you as you tune in. Today we're here with Margaret Hanna, Executive Director of the Friedman Center, Executive Coach and a Professor here at William James College. I'm really happy that you're going to be on our podcast today, Margaret, because you have a great background as a counseling psychologist, and you're also an advocate at the state level for mental health access for children, youth, and families, Uh, and you were recently appointed to the Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker's Commission for Prevention of Postpartum Depression, and you're also an advocate and supporter of the first bill that was passed on prevention of mental illness and promotion of mental wellness. So... Uh, you know, you've led two successful startups uh, and nonprofits, and you've been leading people for over 30 years. So it's a really impressive background, and I love to talk to leaders who've been doing, been in the trenches of leadership for a while, who have actually made social change and impacted people's lives on the podcast to hear what you think about leadership. And so when I asked you to do this, you told me that as a leader, it's your job to facilitate the growth of your people and the organization. You said the most important job you have as a leader is to know how to navigate several lanes of action that exist in an organization. Can you tell me more about that? Sure, well, thank you, Catherine, for inviting me to do this. It's my pleasure. Uh, Navigate lanes, yes, for me, and I think for many leaders, Oftentimes, we think about our job as, oh, it's all on us. We all have to be the ones that are sort of pushing, pushing it along. And I think, one, for myself, some of the biggest mistakes leaders make are to think and accept that, that it's all on us. And so navigating, facilitating is a concept that I take very seriously. So lanes, I also notice through my years of experience that individuals can get in trouble, leaders, especially when they get out of their lane and when they practice out of their scope. And for me, I think that, again, in our early days as leaders, we say, oh, we have to be the one, we have to be the one. When I think of it as lanes, I can have what I know, and then I can say, oh, the person next to me in another lane They can join with me, and we can all, or both of us, navigate the growth, facilitate opportunities for all within the organization. I think that happens uh, with leaders wanting to, not control in a way, but it's more, sometimes it's control, let's face it, power and control, but if you look at it on the most positive side, it's because you have passion. Like yourself, you started these organizations based on a social mission. 
So this passion drives you to want it to go really, really well and to serve those you're serving. Um, so I like this idea of the lanes. How do you, how do, first of all, how did you come up with that metaphor? It's a great metaphor. Well, thank you. I'd like to say that I spent years researching it and, oh, it just came to me and it's magic and wonderful. Yet the truth of it is, Catherine, you know me, I'm very animated, and I was working with an organization, and they were trying to look at things much more broadly, and I kept using my hands to say, let's go back in, let's go back in, and truthfully, it just popped into my head. As some of us do often struggle with the right word, I looked at myself, and I saw that I was sort of making a lane, and I said, that's it. It's a lane. We need to stay in our lanes. We need to define our lanes. We need yeah. to define the organization's lanes. And then I took it a little bit further and did think about it. And, and again, our job is navigating. Yeah. So when any of us go on a trip, right. we make a road map. We decide we have to navigate. And we're driving along. And we've got a few lanes that we can go in. Right. And sometimes we're in this lane because we're most comfortable in it. We want to go 55. Right. But then all of a sudden we want to go 80. We better get over into the other lane to go 80. Okay. So it just fits. Can you give me an example of like what some of the lanes are? You could use one of the organizations you built, the organization you're running right now, the Friedman Center here at William James College. Or Sure. Well, at William James and the Friedman Center, we provide a service called Interface Referral Service. And while we're housed within an organization that is about teaching professionals to be mental health treaters, what we do is actually bring individuals to treatment. We don't do the treating. Okay. Yet, those individuals who are counselors on our line are mental health treaters. They are licensed practitioners. So sometimes, when they're on the phone and they're talking to an individual, they can get outside of their lane by mm -hmm. starting to become a treater. Now, yes, they know how to treat, yet, they don't know that so well anymore because they're not doing it. They're in the lane of, if you will, bringing the horse to water, and they need to stop there. Right. So oftentimes, I'm saying to the staff, you're in the wrong lane. You're in the treating lane. Right. You need to be in the facilitation lane. So that's very helpful as an opportunity to teach staff. Yes, you might know some of that, but you don't know all of that anymore, and it's out of your lane, so let's get back in. For me personally, I could get out of my lane also on various administrative things that maybe I think I know about from having run other organizations, but that's not my lane now. My lane is to be in the Department of Community Engagement, providing service to the community in service of our students. Right. So that's my lane. I like that because um, in organizational development, you know, we have we call this, these things roles sometimes, but it's not the same exactly. What I like about yours is, you know, it's important to know what your role is and my role, but if you think about lanes, A, it's something everybody deals with every day who drives, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's really like a it minimal yes. to just everyday kind of stuff, but also I like this idea that it's something that moves forward, right? It's really dynamic. Exactly. It's just stuck. Yes. kind of role and that it includes like as organizations we're challenged to constantly be evolving so I like it as a metaphor it's got some action in it I also like it because if you think of lanes and we're driving we're in a car we're in a vehicle in lanes we can also bring others along with us mm. we have room yeah right and that's not always 
the way we think. Right. No, my role is get, gets to be really territorial. Yeah, it's right. my role. Yeah, exactly. And if one thinks in lanes, there's room for others' growth and your own growth, which I also think is so very important as a leader. And more strategic, because if you think about strategic initiatives, those are like lanes. You know, when they're drawn up, you see these lanes Absolutely. going down. So I think yep. that's Thank a you. wonderful metaphor. Um, so, and I like the idea of a leader, as a leader, that you have choice um, in like drawing from a specific portfolio of behaviors and you're calling, you know, and actions versus just being stuck in one area. Um, so I think that the complexity of the leadership role is, is something that's talked about in some of the literature, but I think always underestimating when we're promoting our leaders and when we ourselves get into a leadership position. Mm -hmm. Right, there's a lot of complexity that happens. So, how do you think this like helps you deal with that complexity as a leader? Well, just again going back to the metaphor, a lane is it does have boundaries to yeah. a certain degree, so it it's straight. Yeah, and oftentimes uh, I've said this before that yet, and you're reinforcing it. Leadership is complex. And sometimes you have to hold right on to that complexity, yeah. and sometimes you have to let it hold you. And I think uh, it helps me when I go back to, okay, where's your lane here? Where's your lane, Margaret? Where's the other person's lane? Okay, I feel the complexity here. Who else do we have to bring in? Or do we have to just sit with it a bit? Mm -hmm. And. That's hard to do as a leader. You say action. Yes, this is action-oriented. And as leaders, we also have to think about let's have no action. That's an action itself. Yeah, that reflection piece I think is critical, but also, you know, I'm not doing something, even though you really are. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And for me personally, that's probably been one of the hardest lessons to learn and to abide by. Right, right. Pulling over, pausing. Exactly. <laughs> in terms of a lane, it's like it's exactly. a breakdown lane. Exactly. <laughs> you know? I'll be sitting in the breakdown lane for a minute. Am I on the right road? <laughs> exactly. What state am I going I'm to? Right path. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why? It's funny. It's ironic, though, that you say that because you also have a counseling background. Yes. So you've been through a lot of reflective training. Yes. But yeah, I see this with a lot of these, a lot of our students who come are leaders in the Leadership Society, for example, or the master's program, and you know, you've been a wonderful field placement in the past. So we get these leaders, they're so rewarded and lauded for the things they do that can be outwardly seen, Yes, you know? And so you were to start off with this training as a counseling psychologist, where, which I'm sure you had reflective yes. work, time. Yes, of course, yes. So why do you think that becomes so hard? Because I think that this is a problem for a lot of leaders. Well, I think, I don't want to speak for all leaders, yet my counseling training can be a curse as well mm -hmm. as an asset. So, yes, leaders want to and need to reflect. Out in the world, there's so much about action, mm -hmm. and if you come from the background that I come from, one feels they need to drop all that reflection and just mm -hmm. go to action. You mean the background as, as running these organizations? And well, background, uh, you were asking me, why do you think it's so hard to yeah. stop and reflect? Yeah. Well, I think that the world itself of leadership, it says to everyone, yeah. you have to be in charge. Right. You have to go. You have to keep on going. You have to go 100 miles an hour. Yeah. 
And so if you come from a con why well, I said con it can be a curse and it can be an asset yeah. is that so if you come from that and not many individuals come from that in the leadership world, right. one might say with my background, I don't let go of all that. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. Uh, and therefore go straight ahead becomes the first go to. And as one gets more experience, they realize, let's go back to your roots. Right. And that's my root. And so, and you know this better than I, but all of the leadership training now is going back to reflective yes. listening, pausing, mindfulness. Yeah. Use of self. Use of self, yeah. exactly. I know. Not so for many of the leaders now, that we're not trained in that way years past. Yeah. So as it a was a dirty word. It was event. a dirty right. word. It's and and waste of time. to put it out there as a woman, yeah. that would also be oh, something right. that one needs to be mindful yes. of in terms of being more reflective. Yeah. And so a lot of self-talk about where's this coming from and how will it be perceived. You're you're yeah, there's so much there in terms of like taking time to think or even not being sure. You know, say I'm not sure. I need to think about that. Um, leaders in general, with the command control being, you know, this type of leadership that's decisive and charismatic, and I'm going to go forward, and I know exactly what to do. In all cases, I'm the ultimate expert. Exactly. Right. That's our role model for leaders historically exactly. in this country, exactly. in the U.S., and I think in a lot of Europe as well. So when you, and then as women, you know, if we're less decisive, we'll see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's a woman, of course. Mm -hmm. You can't. You know. So yeah, I see what you're saying, and it is a big impact. We're doing this study, and um, some of the resonant leadership behaviors we found are more inclusive. And some of the older people that rated them were saying things like, "They're not a great leader. They didn't know. Exactly. You know, they weren't an expert. They didn't know everything in the moment when I need to know it, which really just breeds dependency. So it's yeah, that's a really good point about how that's difficult to master, especially if you have a history of having to kind of, you know fit to this mold. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah, and it's, what I'm always amazed by with all the leaders I speak with is just how, you know, you have to keep evolving. Yes. And how success is the hard, most hard thing around your own evolution, a person's evolution because you want to stick with what made you successful. Yeah. But of course the environment changes. Right. Around you. So that's really interesting. So what are, are there things that you can share with our listeners that you might be doing now to bring that reflective practice back? I think for me personally, yeah. I just owned it and accepted it. It's, it's a, okay. It's okay. Yeah. And it certainly helps that the world thinks so now, too. Right, right. you're in so, vogue again. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool now. Yeah. Yet the part that, and it's related to my lanes, I think that there are three main lanes Yeah. one's a leader. It's the organization lane, yeah. it's the people that are in it with you, and then it's yourself. Oh, neat, okay. And that's a lane, so when am I in my self lane? Yeah. My self lane is the lane that says take a few deep breaths, be mindful of what's going on, be present. One of the most important characteristics to me a leader has is presence. Mm -hmm. 
And how would you define that? That's out there now in the world, like Amy Cuddy, you know, yes. she's got her raise your arms over your head and build up the testosterone in your system and you'll feel better. And, you know, <laughs> and then in the past, it's been executive presence and it's been, you know, the Alec Baldwin's of the world, like, you know, looked a very particular way. It's a topic that I'm really close to as well. So I love it when people are now bringing it up in different ways. So I'd love to hear what, how you kind of define that more. Well, presence, as I see it, is putting all the distractions aside. And in the world we live in now, that's really hard to mm -hmm. do. And I, I think that it's simple things, like saying to yourself, put the pen down, put the phone mm -hmm. down, put the text off. In fact, don't even bring it with you. So just physical presence is the first thing. People say, well, I'm here, mm -hmm. but are you here? So the mind's a million miles away. Exactly. Else. Yeah. So I often enter a space with my staff when we have a meeting. I will take the moments now for people literally, physically, put two feet on the floor, let's look around the room, and take it all in. And again, that's more accepted now. I tried doing it before, and I sometimes with success, sometimes not. And also listening to your gut. There's a lot that goes on, and I, I have yeah. been following the study that um, Miranda is doing, yeah. which is quite fascinating, and the whole brain connection yes. with what is present in the room. Your brain feels it yes. before your words or anything else does something. So I think that presence is listen to what my brain yeah. is firing right now. Self-aware and self-aware. Self yeah. And self-regulation, yeah. being in touch with that, maybe not even having to say it. So presence is a concept, not just so we'll all go into meetings where people will say, turn off your phones, put away the right. we ignore that. So I take it one step further and say, okay, you know, we're gonna do the typical, yeah. and now let's sit with our feet on the floor and just look around the room for a minute. Yeah, and calm everything and down. And calm everything that. down yeah. and bring it into the room. Yeah. And I think all of us as leaders and individuals have to start doing more of that. Yeah. And make that more the norm. I think that's great. We do, um, it's on the study on waking up moments, and that was pretty much the technique, you know, there's a little more uh, imaginative, like, not even imaginative, but more like focus on your breath, this and that, yes, which we yes. all know from like yoga and yeah. all the Easter stuff, but I think right. if, as a leader, you promoting that uh, is pretty incredible, right? It allows people to have time to think and breathe and come into the room from a busy day. Right. Yeah. And Catherine, I think it also takes stamina. I, uh, being a leader is tiring. Yeah. And. I also invite people to assess whether they have the stamina for it. Yeah. By doing those moments. By doing those yeah. presence moments. Yeah. The neurodata is showing us that leaders are typically very self-sacrificing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, the thing that separates the average CEO, uh, you know, if all things held equal, education, success, and all that, is the ability to work a 16-hour day, right? <laughs> so when you do that day after day after day, you get really depleted, mm -hmm. and guess what? Your best behaviors start diminishing, and your worst behaviors come out, and so they have to find ways to renew. And that's just right. taking a moment to breathe sometimes. Exactly. But also, you know, creating an environment where people can go, I really need to think about that. And they're not considered 
you know, uh, ineffective. Right. You know, that's right. that's a metaphor for what, <laughs> that's really, you know, a nice way to say what they're considered sometimes when they don't know. So I think that's really good. Um, the other thing you made me think about is how in the brains in our body, right, mm-hmm. there's a huge amount of neurons in our gut, in our heart center. So the idea of being close to that and what's going on is data, you know, and that's what the neuroscience has applied to leadership and has applied to self-awareness of, of organizational psychology is showing us that it's not just airy-fairy, oh, I have this impression, you know, I'm psychic yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's, no, you have neurons all yes. over your body and they're giving you information. Right. Um, there's this one experiment where uh, the people were doing a card experiment where they had to pick from two decks and they had electrodes all over the hand picking from the deck and um, the electrodes on the 10th card were telling the person that that's the bad deck, but it took the person typically to the 80th card to know it was the bad deck in terms of this game. Hmm. So it just goes to show you, like, you're right about the electricity in the body and the neural, um, you know, network around our whole body is giving us information if we can just tune in and believe it comes from somewhere and then test it out in the world, right, versus making a huge decision on your gut, saying, well, I'm concerned about this or I'm feeling this, what's going on with the rest of you? And to be able to say, I'm feeling this, is really revolutionary in business, right? Yes. Well, for me, it maximizes opportunities. It, it can minimize the threat, really, yeah. if you listen to it, and then maximize the opportunity. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just by taking that time. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, I had this friend who was rushing to get his food one day at this restaurant, and he spilled all the food all over the restaurant. Yeah. And the man helping him pick it up, the proprietor said, you know, you're going fast, but it's making you go slow. (laughs) So I always say, go slow to go fast. Yeah, exactly. Right? Take a moment. It helps you be much more directed and much more efficient, which is faster than being really inefficient because you're not paying attention to the lane, to, you know, what's happening inside you. I love the three lanes. It was the self, it was your people, and And the the organization. organization. Yep. That's great. That's a great leadership hack. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to share with us today? I don't think so. I am thinking of something that you may probably cut out that came uh, when you were just saying that, yeah. uh, your example of the man in the restaurant. Uh, so for me, sometimes what happens internally when I am having that moment is that I will cry. Mm. And just taboo in the past. Exactly. Yeah. And I used to be very upset. Why are you doing that, Margaret? Why yeah. Why are you crying? And lately, what I have said to myself is that crying is telling you something. Ugh. What is that something? Yeah. So I've, I'm not perfect at it, for right. sure. Right. Yet I'm no longer scolding my tears. Right. Right. And it's very risky for me to even say this out loud to you, yeah. as not because of you, right? But it's a no, woman thing. The air, yes. And as yeah. <laughs> God forbid, a poor man would ever do that. Yeah. Hard yeah. on them too. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I sort of feel like, let's not banish crying. Yeah. Let's pay attention to crying. 
Yeah, it's a healthy thing to do, it is. right? It's data. You're absolutely it's right data. that it's data. And so. yeah, and I think when we try to tamp it down, then we have this huge brain, you know, thunderstorm in our head going, exactly. stop, this is bad. Or, right. You know, right. versus going, okay, what's happening? Right. You know, right. which actually calms us down quicker, too, when we label our affect, right? Yes. We know that yes. from yes. the Matt Lieberman studies, right. you know, affect labeling. So I share that with you, but by no means am I done with that one. Yeah. I'll still be working on that. That's the self-growth happening yeah. there. And I think that's the thing to admit, like, when it's an ongoing evolution, like, no Correct. matter where you are in life, there's always more to learn. And I think that's the best approach versus thinking you've arrived. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Because you just I'm get here. stuck. Because the minute you stop, the world is still going ahead. Right. So you're just kind of stuck walking yeah. the way of others. Yeah. I do not want to be that person taking up a seat. Me either. I'm not going to be taking up a seat. Yeah. No, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think um, the best leaders are, they do identify with what they're doing. Mm. You know, and so if you hit a roadblock or something's tough, crying is a perfectly reasonable response. It's the same response, right? It's something you really care about. Yes. So, but yeah, it's treated as this, it's taboo, which is a shame. Yeah. Yeah. So, Margaret, it's so great to have you on. I know that you're doing uh, great work here. Thank you for all the work you're doing with the bills and the governor's commission and bringing awareness and promotion of wellness as well. And, you know, starting to destigmatize, um, you know, mental health. Everybody has, there's, you know, someone in your family who has mental health issues and you might over the course of your lifetime have a mental health problem and it's, it's as normal as waking up right. and it's just treated so badly so I just think you're you know doing such great work and it's wonderful to hear and it's great to get to interview as a leader as well um, so thank you so much thank you Catherine thank you for listening to this month's podcast we hope you enjoyed it and you found it interesting to listen to future editions please subscribe to our SoundCloud and iTunes channels to find out our next topic, follow us on Twitter at WilliamJamesEDU or visit the Organizational and Leadership Psychology main page at William James College.